You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Welcome to the Screener Squad. My name is Chad. Today I have Frank. Hello. Bradley. Hello. And Melina. Hi. <laughs> and and Melina has more of a, a, a tone that we should have probably opened up with for kind of what we're talking about today. Uh, the movie's called The Survivor. It's not about uh, the band who made Eye of the Tiger. I thought it was going to be a biopic, but no, it's about the Holocaust and Nazis being assholes and uh, man's journey through surviving a concentration camp and how that affected him throughout his entire life. So fun. <laughs> um, I got all my jokes out on the last Holocaust movie I, I reviewed, so we're good. <laughs> yeah. So the basic premise of the movie, without being sarcastic or weird about this, is Harry Haft is a boxer. It's around post-World War II, late 40s, and he's okay. He's looking for the girl he fell in love with growing up. Uh, they were both taken. They're Polish Jews. He holds hope in his heart that she's still there. It's basically the reason why he fought through hell to get to where he was. And the whole story kind of picks up there and you see flashbacks to when Harry was in concentration camps and how he was courted and trained by an SS officer to box and basically box and not kill. He didn't directly kill them, but Defeats. he was forced to fight in front of officers for bets and he would fight uh, prisoners of war. I mean, not even prisoners of war. They were uh, their fellow inmates. Yeah, fellow they? prisoners. Yeah. Inmates. Yeah. yeah. But this was entertainment. This was like the form of entertainment for the guards. Yeah, like mm. this was legit. And, and this is based on a true story, too. Like I, I did some more research into it. And, and I'm not surprised. Like people do really shitty things with war crimes. And um, I, I guess I never thought that the Nazis would be like, hey, we're bored working at a concentration camp. Let's have inmates fight each other and we'll kill the loser and we'll make money. And it's super sad. Yeah. Now, I, I'd heard like there's so many different pockets of uh, World War II. Um, I know uh, Paul Schreier did this film called Adam Resurrected, which is not a good film, but it's um stars Jeff Goldblum as like this... Um, Jewish um, like entertainer like this like stand up comic guy and he's forced to like um, like tell jokes and be entertaining for like the guards in a concentration camp when he's taken and while well, his family's like in is somewhere else and he's forced to like act like a dog and whatnot yeah I mean this is it's like you just think, don't think they could get more and more sadistic than they than you thought they were in the past. It's just that sounds like a Paul Schrader film. I was gonna say it if, was, if history was, had yeah. if history had a cartoon villain. It definitely was the Nazis to where you never. Yeah, it's like I, I always joke that, you know, Barnes Noble has basically become 
uh, like the World War II bookstore because it really like World War II pretty much is like the fiction section. But you always think that, you know, even the tiniest fraction about the atrocities of the Nazis until stories like this come out. And you're like, my God, you guys just keep topping yourself with how fucking ridiculously sadistic you could be because you just felt like you could. On my end, I know there's a part of me that that just uh, tries to like compartmentalize like, okay, they were evil. It it was awful. A lot of people died, millions, and then shut it off. And then I I don't want to even, I I guess I train my mind not not to think that about the actual like details of how evil they were and, you know, how deep their sadism went. And, but then we were reminded when we see movies like The Survivor, which I thought was a good, which I thought was a good film. Going back to Ben Foster, this dude did, did the work where he, because I, I was wondering if they digitally like made him skinnier or fatter or whatever, but no, he, for the stuff during the concentration camp, he obviously had to look like a malnourished prisoner so he dropped like 40 pounds, shot all his stuff. And then when he did all of his future things, he gained another 55. It looks like they pudged him up, too, for the 60s, because this movie basically takes place in three different time periods. Um, yeah, almost. Four. And, he did in a sp- and he did it production wise. He did it in a space of a, like a few weeks. Yeah, it was <laughs> a couple. Jesus. I mean, I could do that, yeah. but like he shouldn't do that. He's a good actor. It, it is one of those things that makes you wonder. I'm like, so I know I'm like, are should people really be against the idea of employing uh, fat suits? Because I'm like, my God, the torture this guy put his body through like that. can yeah. That cannot be healthy for you in the long run. The awards circuit loves it when you hurt yourself for a role. So what are you going to do? When they see a fat suit, no matter how awesome it is, Colin Farrell in the Batman, they're like, Sean, Sean, he didn't do that to himself. I think it's also, uh, you know, um, I, I feel like the kind of actor that he is, he wouldn't, you know, he, he would need to really do it. Like, I don't think he, he could, he could, he could fake it like with, a, with prosthetics or anything like that. I think he would actually really, you know. And I think the, especially during the the concentration camp scenes, um, when he's so, I mean, to be gaunt, but physically in shape enough to fight. I mean, that's just so that that's such a specific type of shape to be in. And I don't know, like, how can you be like, you know, almost so malnourished and so on the brink of, you know, collapse and take on guy, defeat guy after guy after guy. Those things were tough to watch specifically because I could just imagine that, you know, just the, the the physicality of that of, of the real guy having to put up with that. Yeah. And I think that you just kind of spoke to what this this movie's mission statement ultimately sets out to convey, which is your survival instinct, whatever it's based on, whether it's just the intrinsic will to live, whether it's wanting to see your loved ones again, whether it's to just prove the bully wrong, that can be what keeps you going. and and makes you keep hitting. Now, I will say, Frank called this a a very good film. I think that the best thing about this by far is uh, Ben Foster's performance. It almost feels like performances because when in the multiple timelines that we view, that we get to visit his character, uh, it, you get such a sense of how much time has passed and what has happened to this guy from his time in the camp to his time in the fifties where he's trying to make it as a boxer. I don't know if I'm alone on this though. I don't 
think as much as I, I am a big fan of a great uh, amount of uh, Barry Levinson, who directed this, his his work, I felt like this movie was ultimately kind of a mess in terms of what it wanted to be and how it wanted to connect these many store these many timelines to together. Well, that's why I always say if you're going to tell a story of someone's life, stick with the weekend where they have memories every now and again. He's trying to pack like I'd say 50 years it seems like of a, an entire man's life, all of his highs and lows, all of his triumphs and losses in what was this 2 hours? Yeah. And I'm not sure anyone could manage to do that to the amount of success such a story deserves. And that's when a nerd like me, you know, says, go out and read The Boxer. And based on this man, um, Harry Haft, and you'll you'll get a ton of stuff out of that book as well. But uh, again, I agree with you, Melina. It, it seemed a little bloated, but not intentionally so. Just your life doesn't have one theme as you live through it. And he tried to capture this entire guy's life. And it's too complex, I think, to accomplish. I felt it worked only because I liked seeing him change throughout throughout the entire, throughout decades. I like that through each decade. um, And I think this is sort of like really telling of people who lived through the Holocaust. And one of the things I really liked was that we had this opening shot along the beach. The main reason a lot of uh, former Holocaust victims moved to Miami in like the 60s and the 70s was because of the ocean and because it was so, um, the the sound of it was very therapeutic for them. That was one of the ways that they dealt with uh, with what happened to them in their past. I'm not so sure I liked as much of the jumping around that we did. I did like it when, um, I, I didn't mind it when it was, you know, when it was, um, when it was flashing back in, in, a, in a PTSD way, because, you know, this yeah, was something that I was agree. before PTSD was even a, considered a thing. A diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think at that um, point so it was still that. like war fatigue. But I also like shock. Yeah, shell shock. But I liked following this guy um, because throughout the, the constant was um, there was this constant theme of uh, a hauntedness, but also hope that was living inside of him. And it was the, the two were battling each other throughout. Um, and I always I thought that was interesting to watch at the different stages he was in. Um, I think that's the main reason I, fa- I, I liked the jumping around in between the decades. Um, I don't know if I don't know if that would have worked in a in, in a linear fashion because of the PTSD theme, but yeah. And I, and when Barry Levinson, Barry Levinson did this, did this again before in Wizard of Lies, and there it just worked horrendously. Um, so it's 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 tricky. It's it's a very tricky thing to pull off, and not a, not a lot of movies should do it. One thing I wanted to compliment the movie on was that I've you know I've seen a ton of boxing films. I've seen a ton of you know a, like I've seen a ton of the pseudo rocky you know successors i just reviewed one uh earlier this year bruised which was another one of those kind of cookie cutter boxer films and i actually kind of found that ultimately more exciting than this because i thought that this film set itself up to be about this guy's this this guy's boxing career and how it kind of came it kind of came about in this very perverted way from him being forced to fight uh fellow inmates in auschwitz and then it's about the halfway point that they just kind of dropped that. And I felt like this became a completely different film. I did battle, uh, not battle, but I did question like, oh, what is the main aim of this film? Like, we were, first of all, I thought we were spending way too much time on the fight scene. 
until I thought, until I realized, that, oh, we're at, this is actually a fight movie. This isn't a connecting with your long lost love movie. Like, okay. Well, well it's both but of it, those things. Yeah, yeah. It's a long lost love but, story. Uh, I think all of us will agree right now, I guess, was better than the boxing movie. Absolutely. Maybe uh, if yeah. we met oh. this chick. maybe if we didn't set it up like it was going to be a boxing movie i think it it was it's being sold hard as a boxing movie and it doesn't end that way harry half fought um marciano rocky marciano which everyone credits as the greatest boxer of all time who doesn't know boxing that well because he was the only boxer in the history of boxing that's never lost a fight Oh, damn. I guess that's a spoiler. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> now I'm going to have to edit and work. I'm so Thanks. sorry. I don't know. I feel like uh, we're, we're far enough away from this event to where it's like, if you don't but, know um, how this ends. <laughs> the situation with the boxing is he's fighting to survive in Auschwitz and he's winning. And after the war, he... He must have won all those fights for something. There must have been a reason. Maybe he was blessed with that talent. And the answer he comes away with is, you weren't. You're a mediocre boxer at best, and you are not capable of defeating the best boxers in the world. So that guilt, like most Holocaust stories, grows and breeds and stays with him. The woman from his past he wants to find, just something, something that was love that survived Auschwitz. He wants to find it. And we get that answer. And I like what you said, Frank, that these Holocaust stories are hopeless until the final moment when they do find not just purpose in their everyday life, but moments of genuine peace that all of us are searching for and they deserve to have. So it's a very heavy movie, and I don't think a lot of the themes connect unless you really think about it. I've read about this man before, of course, so I was more prepared to go on and on and on and on about all of the amazing themes of a survivor's life. Um, I'd say the film is about 50-50 on nailing that, but the performance from Ben Foster is 100%. I loved it. Well, Bradley, why don't you roll us into final thoughts? Yeah, I'll just add to my final thoughts. Ben Foster, he keeps starring in things hardly anybody sees that everyone who does see it is raving about. Remember Justin Timberlake's debut performance, which was terrible in Alpha Dog? Ben Foster kills it in Alpha Dog. He's amazing in that. Also see Hell or High Water, The Messenger, yes. and just recently... Uh, Pre-COVID 2018, I believe it was called Without a Trace. Leave No Trace. Leave No Trace. Thank you. Mm -hmm. He's freaking phenomenal in that. Nobody is seeing his performances. So he's he's drawn to those. He's drawn to those types of. He is. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that he's not like a glamour, like bring me the awards now type of actor. So, and that's fine. I just get mad that he's not because I'd like to see him win everything. I'm going to give this... 7.5 7.5 out of 10 haymakers from the undefeated champion, Rocky Marciano. <laughs> yeah, I I thought this was great for Barry Levinson. Um, and I think um, I love seeing him and um, Ben Foster reunite. They were in, uh, they he directed him in uh, Liberty Heights back in the late 90s, which is part, I think, three of his Baltimore trilogy. Um, 
so they definitely have a, a good shorthand together. I, I thought I thought that this was this is a really great uh, Barry Levinson film, and not um, his past couple ones have been sort of like I don't want to say phoning it in, but they haven't really been challenging for him. And I, I felt I felt him be more invested in this than he had that I've seen him in a while. Not all of the choices he made. I personally would have made, but you know, I'm not in charge. He is. There are a number of scenes in here that I thought worked really well. The, um, the scene where he's, where Ben Foster's recounting this story about, uh, the, um, the prisoner and the cap that he finds, I thought, I thought said a lot about what it means to exist in that world. The one-on-one scene he had with, um, Billy Magnuson when it was just the two of them out after the fight i thought that was a great back and forth between those two characters and a breaking down of a lot of the of the dynamics between the two of them and i think my favorite scene though was probably when he gets the news about his uh former love and he's uh by himself in his you know dingy little apartment you know smiling and crying and i i just know that's the first time that man has ever done that since before the war and i just thought it was such a beautiful moment that moment of release and that did show him that, you know, the, the hope that he was clinging to was not for nothing. If, if nothing came from that beyond that moment, he had that moment and uh, that meant the world to him. And I love the, 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 the movie's core theme about, um, all, I mean, all you can do is survive. All you can do is survive. I think that's so easy to um, take for granted or just forget about. But uh, it's true. It's a beautiful movie, beautiful looking movie. I really would have loved more. I didn't want to watch a fight movie. I was more enthralled with like the, the mystery of, of, of his long lost love, but, uh, you know, I got what I got and, uh, I didn't mind it. Um, so I got to end this actually on a more humorous note. Um, cause I was reminded of when Mel Brooks was being interviewed by, interviewed by Jim, Jiminy Glick and, <laughs> <laughs> and he asked, he, he asked, Jiminy Glick asked him, what's your beef with the Nazis, Mel Brooks? And Mel Brooks like, what's <laughs> my beef with the Nazis? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They were rude. I love Mel Brooks. I love Jimmy Glick. So that just came in my head. So, but I'm going to give this eight out of 10 boxing rings that Danny DeVito owns out there in the middle of nowhere. He's just waiting for you to show up and fight. And he'll give you two days to fight and train. God, you know, I think that every point that you guys are raising is great. And I completely agree that, yeah, this, this really is about not taking for granted what it is that you have, especially when you've gone through so much. I just wish that the movie had come anywhere near as close to conveying it as well as you are. I just got done watching a Holocaust film and one that I thought perfectly, you know, solidified just how, how, you know, traumatic and really important it is to, you know, commemorate these people's stories. But I got to say, watching this movie as great as ben, as Ben Foster is, as, as good as Vicky Krebs is and Danny DeVito and John Leguizamo and all these actors who come into this, I just felt the movie itself was kind of, was kind of messy. It, it spends so much time just kind of dipping in and out of all of these different timelines to where I don't think any of them really felt fleshed out to where you understood how one period of his life was really informing his decisions 
of an in in late in uh, later in his life. It's not hard for me to be moved by this, and I was just from a very basic human level. But I just felt that I just kind of felt emotionally empty because of how frenetic and unfocused it was for most of it. I wish it had taken one of those stories or one of those timelines, made that the primary timeline, and just kind of spliced the others around it. Maybe they didn't even need to make all of them flashbacks. They could have just had others be mentions or they could have been alluded to. It would have given you a sense of what this was trying to say and allowed you to focus on where this person is in their life and what they've come from instead of having to kind of, you know, piece all of these little puzzle pieces together. Yeah, I really wish I could have liked this more. Uh, I appreciate it for what it's doing. I think all I think stories like this need to be told. I just wish it had been told better. Uh, but I think that, yeah, the performance is great. I think Barry Levinson does a pretty good job at directing. And uh, Billy Magnuson, who everybody should remember as the the dumb, funny friend from Game Night, really showing his, his chops as the most evil son of a bitch you could possibly imagine. And he's, he's pretty damn good at it. I'm going to give this, uh, I'm going to give this six out of 10 uh, gold chains. I don't have too much to add. I think you guys are all right. It does feel like two movies. My, in my brain, because it's only a two hour movie, I think the problem is making that transition between the first and second act into that third act a little bit of a softer landing. Because I do think the use of editing and jumping back and forth and making it frantic, again, works with the PTSD. We talked about that. And, and I think most of our problems would be solved if we didn't see it as two different movies. Because I think I think all the the concepts can still work in one coherent story. It just it it's a very hard stop and then a, like a restart. Like you trip back into it and it just it feels awkward. But all the subject matter, it's heavy, but it's good to know. I'm not I don't like watching boxing or MMA in real life. Like I watch wrestling. That's real. Um, <laughs> but keep it authentic. I just I hate like I don't mind watching boxing movies because I, I know production wise they're not really beating the shit out of each other but it's it it's heavy it's it's hard to watch it's it was shot very well and of course because you're you're talking about concentration camps and nazis it's in black and white when we flash back um so it's very visually it's easy to visually pop back and forth from past to future. I mean, you probably didn't need to make it black and white. The fact that Ben Foster is super skinny uh, back in, you know, the mid forties versus what he ends up being later on. But I get why that's still used because it's such a bleak and terrible thing. Like how could you ever see color, you know, in that world? Anyways, I'll give this movie seven and a half. Ben Foster's surprising me yet again. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Did anyone see that Lance Armstrong movie that he was in? Oh, I had no. That's perfect casting. I, I just had no idea that they right did here. that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just I, I just, I just watched want... the contractor. Um, yeah. He was in uh, that. That's with Chris that, Pine. That's that Chris Pine thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is yeah, fine. Was all right, yeah. but like Ben Foster totally again brought his A game. He really didn't need to because nobody else did. <laughs> I was gonna say when you're <laughs> Pine, when, 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 when you're acting when you're acting against Chris Pine, that ain't the hardest thing in the world to bring. Oh, He's not the worst, oh, Chris. Oh, <laughs> throwing shrapnel at Chris Pine. <laughs> Every day of my life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>